0: We even looked at the polling. 60% of the people in our country are strongly opposed to taxpayer dollars being used to pay for abortion. Uh, But the Democrats wouldn't listen to us. Uh, They continue to push it.
1: Welcome to this special edition of Loopcast where we cover all things faith, culture and politics from a Catholic perspective. Joining me today is Senator Tommy Tuberville, who represents the great state of Alabama in the US Congress. Thank you so much for being with us today, Senator. Thank you. So in February, you halted all nominees to positions in the Department of Defense until the agency reverses course on a new spate of policies that would put taxpayer dollars towards abortions for military personnel. But first, I want to talk about you recently introduced a resolution that would block the Department of Veterans Affairs from providing taxpayer-funded abortions to retired service members. It seems like a lot coming from all different angles at our military. Um, Your bill on the VA was unfortunately shot down by Democrats in the Senate. Um, But it's really only one prong of what you're using to defend our military and veterans and taxpayers. From a radical pro-abortion agenda. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the other moves you're making in this effort?
0: Well, you're seeing a, a trend here from the White House. Uh, basically, the White House is starting to make their own laws and pushing them on the American people. And uh, that's what I'm really bit involved in, in in this VA resolution and also the DOD holds is to let the taxpayers of the country know that they're not responsible to pay for abortions. Uh, the Hyde amendment says that, and that the white house, uh, should not be legislating from the white house. Let us do our job. If you want a bill passed, let us know what you want. won't, uh, be brought to the floor. Let's discuss it. Let's send it through committee and let's vote for it, uh, like we're supposed to in a democracy. And, but, uh, Again, I'm fighting uh, the White House every day on both of the VA resolution and the DOD holds, trying to let uh, American people know that somebody's up here fighting for them.
1: So what legal basis is the VA and the Department of Defense, what legal basis are they trying to rest rules like this on?
0: Well, just give a little background on VA uh, for just a moment. Uh, The VA 30 years ago, uh, the Democrats brought a bill up into the uh, Senate and passed it. Uh, Joe Biden even voted for it. It was unanimous that there will not be abortions in the veterans, uh, the VA. And uh, so we've had no problem with that. There's been no discussion about it. And then what all this uh, really has resulted from, it was resulted from the Dobbs decision of Roe Wade uh, sending abortion back to the states last summer. And since then, the White House in this administration has just said, "Listen, let's circumvent the rule as much as we can. Uh, anything that we can do federally, we'll do it." And so they started uh, working through the VA of saying, "We're going to do abortions in the VA." And uh, I spoke up very quickly on that, saying, "You can do it. You can't use taxpayer dollars to do that. We've never done uh, abortions in the VA, and the reason for that is because we're not equipped to do it in VAs." And that there's a lot of uh, nurses and doctors that work in the VAs that do not believe in abortion. And you're pretty much forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. And so we spoke out against it. Uh, uh, We even looked at the polling. 60% of the people in our country are strongly opposed to taxpayer dollars being used to pay for abortion. Uh, But the Democrats wouldn't listen to us. Uh, They continue to push it. And we brought a a CRA up to the floor, what, about a week or so ago. And unfortunately, it was voted down. And all the uh, Democrats voted against uh, this resolution, except for Joe Manchin, who was the only Democrat. But we had a couple of uh, Republicans that voted uh, for uh, keeping uh, abortions in the VA. And so we were a couple of votes short, but we're going to still continue to talk about it. Remind the American people that they're not supposed to have to pay for this taxpayer money is used for this uh, these abortions in the VA, and we're going to keep fighting
1: so let's talk a little bit about this other tactic that you were you've been using uh, freezing the nominations um, in terms of uh, nominations for for people to move up in the military. Could you just talk a little bit about um, your your role in the in the Senate that allows you to do something like Freeze nominations for the Department of Defense, and how you see that tactic playing out in this effort of, um, in fir- first in terms of abortion in the military, and second in terms of restoring some semblance of constitutional order.
0: Well, that's a good question. Let's first talk about the, the power of the, of the Senate. As we speak, uh, since I've been here, uh, going on three years, we've been in a minority. The Republicans have been in a minority of the Senate. Uh, we have no control of the Senate floor, we have very little control of hearings, uh, but the one thing we do have control of is we can put a hold on any nomination uh, that comes to the that, that they want to bring to the Senate floor. Uh, a hold means that you can object to it, and that they have to go through regular order for that nomination. They have to go through the hearings, uh, through, through through whether it's the Armed Services or the HELP Committee. Uh, for that uh, that nomination, and then it has to go to the floor. Then it has to be singly voted on. And so, uh, now let's go to the DOD and and their abortion new abortion policy. For years, they've had in the DOD an abortion policy of having abortions only through uh, incest, rape, or health of the mom. Uh, we've had very few abortions in the military in the, the last few decades. There's been a few dozen each year uh, for those reasons alone. Now, after Dobbs and, and Roe Wade uh, last summer, the DOD, as I said earlier about the VA resolution, they're looking for any way to circumvent the law. And so they said, hey, we're going to change the policy uh, and we're we're going to let military members have an abortion, at any time, not for just three reasons, but at any time, we're going to pay for that abortion, we're going to fly them to whatever state that they want to go to to have that abortion, plus, we're going to allow their dependents, their kids, to have abortions. So, they changed it without any uh, action through the Senate, uh, through any hearing. They just over the night said that we're gonna do it. So what happened is we started hearing they were gonna do this new policy. I kept asking for a briefing. Finally, after four or five months, we got a briefing somewhere around Thanksgiving of last year. And as they gave us that brief briefing, we, we said, you you can't do that. I mean, that's against law. Uh if you want to change this law, uh, you know, run it through the Senate and uh and see if it'll pass and do it through regular order. Well, uh, they weren't gonna do that. So December the 8th of last year, I wrote a letter to Secretary Austin of the Department of Defense. And I said, if you do this, I'm going, going to put a hold on every nomination of every general and every admiral. And that, uh, see, we normally do generals and admirals in what they call a trunch, groups at a time, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, uh, sometimes even upwards of hundreds. And we, and, and we just kind of run them through committee and, and they're passed. Well, I said, well, if, we're going, if you're going to do this, we're going, we're going to do nominations in normal order. You're going to have to go through committee one at a time, and they don't want to do that. And so uh, they went ahead. After the, I sent the letter to Secretary Austin saying that I was going to put a hold on them, February 8th, they, they ran this new policy up the flagpole and said, this is our new policy. Immediately, we put a hold on all their nominations, and now we're up to 200 admirals and generals. Uh, and they're panicking about this, uh, but they can either run them one at a time through, through regular order, which would take a lot of time, or they can do away with this policy that was illegally done. Uh, it didn't go through the House or the Senate. Uh, you know, They made their own law up, as I said earlier. They're, they're uh, legislating from the White House, and uh, they can do away with this law, and I'll do away with the holes. and uh, so we're at a stalemate.
1: Yeah. Have you spoken to Lloyd Austin about the nominations and about the situation?
0: I did about a month ago and then I did, uh, at a committee hearing, I guess about three weeks ago where he had his posture hearing in front of the armed services committee have not heard anything from anybody else since now all the Democrats have complained, uh, they're complaining to all the four star generals that, you know, I'm hurting readiness and all that. I'm uh, it's not affecting our military whatsoever. If I thought it put anybody in harm's way. Uh, I, I wouldn't be doing this because we do need a military. Mm-hmm. We need a strong military. But uh, because of a lot of these things that this administration is doing, and not just in this abortion um, situation, also through the vaccine mandates, through a lot of the recruiting uh, efforts that I don't believe in, our recruiting is really suffering. Uh, and not an army, the Navy, the Air Force, we're not going to meet any of our goals. And what they're doing is actually hurting our country, not helping our country. So uh, we're gonna sit on these holes and see what happens. Hopefully we can come to the table and work something out. But uh, as you just asked, I've had very little contact from the Department of Defense, the White House, of anybody that's really been involved in this.
1: Right. And this this really seems to be um, an illness almost that's affecting all the branches of our military. I've been covering the Department of Defense, Veterans Affairs, and then we also saw the Department of Homeland Security being even more aggressive with moves um, with the Coast Guard to promote abortion in the Coast Guard. And do you see this sort of the administration's abortion obsession in every branch of the military as being connected with other known issues? You mentioned recruitment, um, but we've also seen, you know, videos coming out of the U.S. naval bases, um, particularly in Bahrain of sort of the the trans ideology permeating um, permeating our our navy um, we assume it that also extends to all the branches where um, you know naval healthcare yeah, I mean, is, this is promoting trans. this has
0: really gotten out of hand
1: and this is something that I know a lot of Catholics struggle with um, probably a lot of Christian Americans struggle with on the one hand we have a very a robust tradition of Catholics and Christians serving in our military. I, as a parent, I have, I have six children, God be praised. I, as a parent, I'm struggling to encourage my children to go into service of their country. What would you say to young men and women right now who are looking at the military, maybe hearing from recruiters, um, and just parents who are questioning, is, it, is this a military in which I want to serve? Is this a military that is serving my country to which I can entrust my son or daughter? Um, how would you talk to parents right now who are maybe having these these concerns about offering their own children to the service of America?
0: Well, I agree with that. You know, what I've done all my life is being in the coaching realm in college. I, I was more of a, a recruiter, you know, for college sports uh, and education than I was for uh, really a football coach. And so I understand what you need to do and what you don't need to do in terms of recruiting uh, young people and uh, uh, pretty much the military is recruiting the same age of kids that uh, are young men and women that, that I recruited over the years, 18, 19-year-old young people. And I think the biggest thing is you tell them the truth, uh, give them an opportunity to make themselves better, give them an opportunity to make themselves stronger in terms of education, uh, stronger as a person, give them to have a better life, not to get involved in politics. Uh, now, it, it, it's just it's, it's sad we've gotten to the point where we're we, we're doing uh, all kind of advertisements now, and you've seen it, we've seen it not just in, in the military, but transgender advertisements to try to get people to either buy things or, or even join the military. I saw a Navy ad yesterday about a transgender person. Now listen, I'm, I'm, you, th- this is a free country. Uh, we have the first Amendment. You can do what you want in terms of legally. You can speak out because of free speech. You can be what you want to be. I don't care. I've dealt with a lot of different people, but don't push it on other people. Uh, give other people an opportunity to, to live their life the way they, they want to live it, but also be in the, the realm of being fair. And so it's, uh, it's sad we've gotten to this point where our country is so divided that we push different facts and factors. If you join the military, you join for this reason and this reason alone, to protect the security of the United States of America, and our allies, and that's your number one goal. And if you're in there for any other reason, you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Now we've got had a great military over the years, and uh, you know if now if our military wants to get into politics, it's going to really affect it, and you're seeing that as we speak.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up your experience as uh, as coach. So I just have to say for my listeners, uh, the only, you're the only coach in Auburn football history to beat in-state rival Alabama six consecutive times. So uh, just a little shout out to that, that fine backstory there. Um, I did want to ask you just sort of, you know, fun, a fun question. Uh, how did life on the field as a coach, you talked about recruiting, but how did life as a coach prepare you for the U.S. Senate? Do you see any uh, life lessons that you bring to bear in your negotiations there?
0: Yeah, you know, the, the thing about coaching and recruiting is the same as as what you do in the, in, in the Senate. It's about communication. It's about being able to work with other people. It's about a, being able to convince other people uh, in an idea that you might have. Uh, you've got to be able to communicate I mean, anything that you do in life. You've got to be able to sell yourself first because if you can't sell yourself, And uh, people don't believe in you as a person, they're not going to believe in any of your ideas. So uh, (laughs) since I've been up for two years, I've been selling myself as, you know, just a a person that loves this country, that wants to help this country. Uh, The thing about college sports and or any other sports that you play, though, you got to remember, it is a game. It's a game that you play to have fun. Uh, This is a different type of game here in the Senate. This is a game about life or death. This is about helping people. Protecting people, giving people an opportunity to to be better and make a better life for themselves, but also giving them the opportunity to live in a a country that has been safe uh, as as we call uh, national security for over two hundred and what forty five, forty six, forty seven years. We're coming up on our two hundred fiftieth birthday here in the very near future, and man, what a great country we have lived in.
1: As a coach, you mentioned um, being able to sell yourself and you know, put your ideas out there, and it seems to me that you have a very strong sense of who you are, a very strong sense of your values and uh, a, a conviction, and, and you are pro-life. Uh, tell us a little bit about your pro-life convictions and sort of the primary drivers behind your efforts. Um, obviously, your love of the Constitution, but um, how did you end up pro-life, Senator?
0: Well, I grew up in a Christian family, uh, mom and dad, uh, brother and sister, uh, and you know, I've been a, I've been a big reader of the Bible all my life. Uh, you, 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 have to believe in something. You can't just believe that, that we're just here, uh, just to be in here. mean, um, you got to believe in something, uh, that's strong, that gives you a sense of reality, that gives you a sense of, of not just the life that we're having now, but the life after, after death. And so, uh, I believe in God. Uh, I believe in, uh, the sanctity of life, as you said, I'm pro-life. I believe in giving everybody the opportunity uh, to live that life. And right now we have a whole lot of uh, people that want to uh, not give life to a lot of young people uh, through abortion, uh, through many thousands of abortions. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about do we need rape, incest, and, and health the mom. I think there's some talk, I think there's some good discussion over that, I really do. Uh, through the Bible, but uh, killing young people for uh, uh, premature babies bef- before they have a, an opportunity of life, to me, uh, it, it's hard for me to fathom. And we've done millions and millions of abortions over the years. We've taken life away from a lot of people. And uh, uh, now we're even talking about uh, abortion after birth. Uh, it, yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh, of where this is coming from and why, you know, most countries around the world do not believe in abortion. And, uh, there's probably just a handful that you could, that you could say, you know, you can go to this country and have abortion. Both do not, most do not believe or have abortion in their country. And so it's just amazing how we've gotten to this point, uh, from one point to another where, uh, you know, from no abortion to abortion on demand at any time. Uh, it, to me, uh, that's not in my beliefs. And I think it's in a lot of people's uh, wheelhouse uh, in this country that they don't believe the same. They believe the same as I do.
1: Right. And thank you so much for being the, the tip of the spear in fighting this in our Senate. And uh, we'll continue to follow your work very carefully. Thank you for all that you've done. And thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.